You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Kim Grunolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, high above Alaska Airlines Field, where University of Washington defeated Stanford 40-22 to in front of an announced attendance. I don't know if it's attendance, more tickets distributed, which is 65,438. Temperature at kickoff was 64 degrees with a 9-mile-per-hour wind. Uh, wind was pretty much a non-factor. Weather was absolutely great down on the field, and uh, total elapsed time for the game today, three hours and 20 minutes. But um, when it comes to college football, I don't think you can ask for a better weather day. You know, the sun had gone down, and it was pretty mild down there, short sleeves and maybe just a light coat, but uh, it was really nice. But uh, the offense, on the offensive side of the ball, Wayne Talapapa had a big game in the running game finally took uh, took its uh, place. Yeah, finished with 169 yards as a team. Um, Wayne Talapapa has a career night. Um, first time, I've got him right here. Uh, they, first time, sorry. <laughs> uh, they, they've, uh, uh, first time he's ever gone over 100 yards in his career. That includes Virginia. Um, just, I, you know, when he hit that 34-yard touchdown run, that was, to me, I put that as my play of the game just because I think that kind of, gave the message that Washington is going to be tough to stop. Wayne said post-game that that hole was so big, was, if he yeah. if he hadn't scored, there was going to be problems. Issues, yeah. But, I mean, what, Do you know who opened the hole? Well, it was the left side, so I think it was Kirkland um, blocking down, and then maybe the tight end was blocking out. I, I, I don't, I'd have to go back and see, but it was... It was the left side, so it was Kirkland and, and Fautanu and whoever the tight end was over there. Do you see anything different with the running game that was different tonight, or was it just, you know, I know Stanford's weakness on their defense was that defensive line, but was there anything different that you guys saw in the running game? I don't know. I, well, I mean, clearly there was a difference with the offensive line. I mean, Jackson Kirkland got his first start with these guys, and so there was a, there was a difference there. But And then I would say on some of the short yardage stuff, I felt like that fourth down call at the in the fourth quarter when um, Devin Culp ended up going around the end for the first down, to me I felt like that was a statement call by Ryan Grubb. I think that was him 
basically telling the offense, these are the situations where we need to get the first downs. This is where we need to keep the chains rolling. And so I think they were able to get some of those things done. But then on the other hand, there were some some missed opportunities where they had to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. Washington's first offensive play of the uh, game was at a deep ball? Yes. Yes, it was. And how, much do, you, how much do you think that opened things up? Uh, I don't I – don't, I mean, if they had completed it, maybe, but no. I, I don't think – He was open. If, yeah. you're, if you're Stanford's defensive coordinator and you're not expecting shots, then you haven't done your homework. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I can't imagine that that caught them off guard at all. Yeah, Wayne Talapapa finished the night with 13 carries. Let me 122, or 120, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, 13 carries for 120 yards, a touchdown with a long of 34. And as we said, that hole, you know, uh, evidently it was huge. I, I had a tough time seeing that. But uh, Michael Penix was on early. Um, you know, they you had think he was on early? Yeah, I thought he played pretty well. I thought, I thought it was one of his worst nights. I think it's his worst night as a Husky well, so far. His worst is better Actually, than what we've yeah, seen. Yeah, but I mean, he only while. completed 59% of his passes. Yeah, he was 12 for 21 in the first half. Yeah. That, that's not outstanding. No. Those certainly aren't Heisman numbers. Look, look, we're complaining about him, and he still threw for 109 yards. All right, 309 yards. He threw for uh, two touchdowns, yeah. and he's guided them to 40 points. Definitely. And we're complaining about it. Yeah, no, so, no sacks taken, no, yeah. tur- no turnovers, yeah, so, which was huge in a game so like this. So, for me, I mean, we're not being critical of him just to be critical. I, I just don't think he had his best night as a – as a Husky, I mean, he was so on against um, Michigan State last week. Yeah. And to me, that's what I'm expecting from him every week because that, that was going to be one of the tougher defenses they played all season. And he was completely dialed in and on on them. And it, just against Stanford, it, things just seemed a little off. They didn't seem like they were bad. They just seemed a little off. And Am I, I wrong in that? No, I think, I think that's part of what Stanford tries to do. They try to get you off your game a little bit. They try to maybe slow down the tempo, or they try to redirect things in the way that they want to do things. And, you know, again, Washington, for all the good that they've done and, and how amazing this run has been so far and going 4-0, this is still a team where the coaches and the players are learning more about each other every single game. So they can't necessarily dictate tempo all the time the way they want to. And they can't necessarily play that chess game all the time. But by the end of the season, that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, with taking a look at Michael Penick's stats, he was 22 of 37 uh, for 309 yards. No turnovers, didn't turn the ball over at all. He had two touchdowns and uh, zero sacks. And we'll talk about that in a little bit with the return of um, Jackson Kirkland. But, um, you know, when I was talking to Wayne Talapapa uh, post game, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but I asked him what stood out, you know, from watching Michael tonight, what really stood out from Michael. And he says it's something that most of the fans don't see. He just said how outstanding he was at changing the protections. If you notice that Wayne would move one side or the other, um, th- that's not necessarily to see what kind of coverage they're in. He's changing the protections at the line, and even Coach DeBoer mentioned it, you know, post game. What an outstanding job he did in um, moving the protection around. But also, you know, um, where the completion percentage wasn't as high, you know, the strength of that Stanford defense is their secondary. It's not their uh, it's not their defensive line by any means. Yeah, but at the beginning of the game, that, that first drive that Washington had, they just cut him to ribbons, and it looked like it was going to be 
Michigan State all over again, and then they changed a little bit and, and give Stanford credit. They, you know, <laughs> those guys have good, you know, they have good coaches. They make their counters, and then it was up to Washington to counter those counters. And, um, you know, this is where the chess game within the football game goes on. And I'm sure Washington fans are going to be really not thrilled about the, how the game ended and things like that. But generally speaking, just from an execution standpoint and, and in the high leverage moments of this game, the Huskies did everything you want in terms of the mechanics of the game. They played the field position game. They ran the ball well. They accompanied that with the pass. They got turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over themselves. I mean, all the classic signs when you're talking about how you win at football. You run the ball. You stop the run. You don't turn the ball over. You play field position. All those standard things, they did all of that to a T. Huge game for Romo Dunsey. He was targeted nine times, and of the nine times he was targeted, he had eight receptions for 161 yards and a touchdown. He had a long of, uh, you know, just a really important 61. in the second half of 61 yards. It, uh, you know, just was kind of a strike back. Um, yeah. After Stanford, after Stanford scored. scored. Yeah. So that was a big reception. And just also Jalen McMillan, he was targeted nine times with five receptions for uh, 59 yards. But uh, Romu Dunsey, uh, Coach DeBoer, said after the game that uh, he's one of the most coachable players he's ever been around. So Rome um, is finally starting to take off to the expectations that he had when he was being recruited. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, he's got competition. I think the competition between the receivers is really driving these guys to play some of their best football. I mean, you got Jalen Polk, you got Jalen McMillan, you got Giles Jackson. Taj Davis hasn't even been that involved very much, and, and he's uh, he was a guy that they targeted early in the first at least it two games. Sounds- Kind of like Taj might be dinged a little bit. Well, I mean, he's out there playing, yeah. so he got an unsportsmanlike call. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and he, he's playing special teams too. And that's what I think. That's where he got it, if I remember right. But yeah, no, I mean, what bottom line is, Roma Dinsey was the one guy out of the top four receivers for Washington right now that didn't have a hundred yard game, mm-hmm. and so I think that was just basically a sign to the room saying, "You guys aren't going to leave me behind. In fact, I'm going to lead the room tonight." Because I feel like it's my obligation. I've got to step up and make sure that I'm accountable for being a part of this team and making big plays. And he did just that. And, Kim, you talked about being targeted nine times but only eight catches. The one that he dropped was an absolute drop. Should have been caught. Which it one, was, he was interfered. Was? He was interfered Yeah, it was with. a pass interference down over on but the he, north side. he could have had 20 more yards on that because yeah. he should have caught the ball. It went right through his hands. But then on the next play... Or maybe it wasn't the next play, but uh, within that same series, yeah, he, caught, he caught the touchdown pass. Yeah, which what? And there's a picture on our front page that the USA Today guys got that we, you know, we use their pictures. And there's a picture that the guy caught it perfectly. The Stanford guy's arm is up through yeah. Rome's as he's trying to make the catch, mm-hmm. and he still holds on to it, but he can't hold on to one that was that Penix put right on the money. Um, you know, uh, I'm harking back to Cody Bruns, you know, uh, final year here at University mm-hmm. of Washington. If you remember, just every time Cody played, he seemed to make a big play. Mm-hmm. And the guy that's kind of reminded me a little bit of that lately is Jack Westover. He's not getting a lot of balls, but boy, he sure seems to make some important yeah, plays. Yeah, had three catches for 30 yards tonight, um, and they used... <clears throat> They ran the exact same play they ran against Michigan State where he didn't have anybody within 10, 15 yards of him. 
they ran the same play, but to the other side, the other way. He catches it, goes for 21 down to the four, what three-yard line, and, and the next play, Will Nixon goes over for a touchdown to start the game. And it, it basically looked – that first drive, like you said, Chris, we, it looked like Michigan State all over again. Yeah. Because they just bam, 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 done. More balls to Jack Westover, please. Well, I would also say to, the, to that point, Kim, three targets, three catches. Devin Colt, four targets, one catch. Yeah. yeah. That – that tells them that doesn't tell the whole story, and that's not necessarily 100% fair to Devin. But well, you, when you were targeted, definitely yeah, was. one of them was definitely a really not a good play. But that said, it, it's still when you get your opportunities in this offense, you got you got to take advantage of them, or you might end up getting left behind. We talked a little bit about the running backs, for instance. A lot of people were wondering, hey, where's Cameron Davis? What's he doing? Well, Richard Newton came back. Sam Adams came back. They want to make sure that they get these guys reps too because at the end of the day, we know the running back position. We especially know it through Chris Peterson because he would harp on it endlessly how, uh, how much punishment they take. And he wants to make sure that all of these guys have some turns and some banked reps in them so that if they have to be used, they're not just going in there cold. Devin Culp, part of another new wrinkle that we saw today, you know, earlier this year, we saw the fake timeout, and uh, Michael Penix took it over uh, right guard for a first down. Uh, this time, it looks like they were going to try to do the same thing, and it also looked like Stanford was ready. He started in the shotgun, went up under center, and backed up a little bit, and, uh, you know, I think Stanford was waiting for him to go over one side or the other and do the quarterback sneak or call a timeout, but... What does he do? He goes back and he hands the ball to Devin Culp for a two-yard gain. Uh, yeah, on a fly enough, sweep. Yeah, which is enough, you know, for the first down. And you don't see six foot four inch, two hundred and fifty pound guys getting into rounds. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he he barely made it. He got it, but um, new wrinkle. Yeah, new wrinkle for other teams are going to have to study now. Another new wrinkle: <laughs> Giles Jackson, a running back, and catching one uh, over the middle, and uh, I. I I've never seen him run that fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, he saw daylight, and it was his first. I think that was his first touchdown. Yeah. Last well, the, yeah. you know, Ryan Grubb. I mean, I know that you know he's doing so much to the size, and he's going deep, and he's really spreading it around. But I'm telling you what, I'm so impressed with what he's doing in between the hashes, the delays to the tight ends, and some of the maybe it was just angle routes or arrow routes or whatever you want to call them to the to the to plays out of the backfield that seem like they're a little delayed whether it was to Giles Jackson or there, or if you go back to the Michigan State game with Devin Culp, he caught that big one, uh, Jack Westover. the Whatever game it was, I don't remember from Michigan State or not, but we were talking to some of, the, some of the pro scouts about him, and basically what happened tonight, one of those plays, was a mirror of the play where he caught it and was basically running down the field. He just caught it on the other hash. And so there, I think what Ryan Grubb's doing in the middle of the field is phenomenal because – He's taking his shots, but he's, he's spacing them out in such a way where literally if you're the next defensive coordinator, you have to defend every inch of that field. Was Giles Jackson faster running into the end zone or when he made the U-turn or ran to the bench? He, yeah, I mean, he, he made a U-turn the minute he hit the end zone and just oh. he flew I by me. I didn't see that. He flew by me. Yeah, I didn't see that, but he, he – he definitely, I, he saw that he had a wide open field. Yeah. And he knew that, hey, that I'm supposed to score this. I mean, as uh, uh, Jamarcus Russell, or Jamarcus, not Jamarcus <laughs> Russell, geez, Jamarcus Shepard says to us, 
It's um, those are my yards up until you catch it. Then those are your yards. But he also says if you're meant to get into the end zone, then those are still my yards. So I, I'm going to be interested to ask uh, Coach Shepard about that mm-hmm. on uh, this week to see if, if those were that he was intended to get in the in the in the end zone on that because it sure looked like he was. Well, I don't know if you guys noticed on the sh- on the stat sheet for the receivers, this has yards after catch. Yeah, sure. You know, and Ro- with Romo Dunsey, you know, he had 161 yards, but uh, 65 yards after catch. 61. Com- well, maybe not 61. What what did he have? Probably 40. On that one, yeah, I mean, just yeah, just on the one play, the bomb. I mean, I'm, that trying, was... I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, uh, Giles Jackson, you know, had 39 yards, but what was it 42 yards after catch? That means there were some that was caught behind the line yep. of scrimmage, yeah, probably. Yeah, but also, you know, just another big moment today, uh, starting at left tackle, Jackson Kirkland being back, and mm-hmm. um, I'm telling, I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, it was funny. To, I mean. It, you guys have talked to Jackson a little bit. He's a bright, articulate guy with a little bit of a nasty streak. And if you listen to the uh, podcast and you know for the post game interviews, he talks about um, him and um, uh, uh, why am I Troy? Him and Troy just absolutely depleted a guy, and mm-hmm. he just gets all excited when he talks about just absolutely nailing yeah, somebody. Yeah, I, I thought he played pretty, pretty well. You could definitely tell there was some rust from him. Um, what was it, Herndon, I think, was the edge that he was facing off against. And Herndon schooled him a couple times, got some pressures on uh, Penix. But I think he played solid for, for it being his first game. And um, and I thought that uh, Troy Fautanu did just fine at left guard. Um, it was also nice to see them take Jackson out and move Troy back out to left tackle and put Kaleppo in because I, I think with the way Nate has played this year, he deserves to be in there playing. Yeah, and, he, and basically, I, we're assuming, right, that they took him out, Jackson Kirkland, because it was just, there was no need yeah, no, to keep no, playing no. him. Yeah, uh, And also, Jackson mentioned, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but, you know, I, I can't remember being told this, but he said he had ankle surgery in February. Yes. Yes, Did that's you, what kept him out of the draft. Yeah. Well, I knew he had something going on. Maybe I just completely missed yeah. it. It was the ankle initially, and then I think he had some back issues as well that were keeping him at bay. So it essentially, they, I mean, I think, I don't know if, the, let's put it this way. I don't think this necessarily vindicates the coaches when they say, yeah, week to week, we expect him. He's been practicing, things like this. But I think what it does show is that it, it does show that he, he goes and he, um, you know, they are literally trying to get these guys going. And DeBoer talked about it afterwards saying, guys, you know, he mentioned it when, you, when the questions were asked about the defensive backs. And he was saying, you know, they're so, we're so thin and we're having to move guys around and stuff. But really, when it comes down to it, a guy like Jordan Perryman, who dressed tonight, mm-hmm. warmed up tonight, but they didn't use tonight, he's literally that close to be able to play. And a guy like Jackson Kirkland, he didn't even he didn't dress last week. He didn't dress against Michigan State. And he boy, didn't even really go through warm-ups. Yeah, but he got ready and, and credit to him. He was ready to go and I think he played very, very well. Yeah, Matteo Mele, you know, got some incentive. They seem to be rotating some guys in at the offensive line, which I think is really gonna pay dividends down the road. He's been he's, doing that every yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and his snaps tonight, he'd been so, pretty solid all all season long, but man, they have been Real low. They were real low tonight. They had to take a loss on a play. Michael Penix's one carry, quote-unquote carry, yeah. was him falling on a ball because it was snapped low. Um, and there were a bunch of other ones that he got low that Penix either was able to pick up or 
or wasn't able to pick up and, and just hand it off and it didn't turn out well. So that's something I think they're going to look at the film and and uh, say we need to get the, these better. Yeah. Defense played real well tonight with the sacks and uh, uh, you know the kind of mass unit that they've got back in the defensive backfield. So we'll uh, talk about that and more when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back. I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Washington defeats Stanford 40-22. to Again, in front of an announced attendance of 65,438. And uh, a big night for the defense. It was loud again, especially on third and fourth downs down on the field. And uh, just... The defensive ends. I don't know if there was something that they saw in the um, in the film that they could attack, or if it was just outstanding play or a combination of both. But the edge players sure had their way getting after the quarterback tonight. Well, I said in my prediction that if the Huskies can keep Air, uh, Stanford from running, which Stanford got some chunks of running, but they still yeah, but. Washington still held them to 90 yards. Yeah, no. Granted, some of that yeah. was sack yardage coming off of the total. They probably rushed, the running backs probably rushed for over 100 yards, but the sacks definitely uh, brought yeah. it back. 125. 125. But then so. the sack, yeah, sack yardage brought it back to 86. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I thought I thought Washington played really well on the edges. Um, I said it, but I said if they can keep uh, Stanford from running the ball effectively, then they'd be able to get after Tanner McKee, and that's what they did. In several of their sacks, it wasn't just the edges playing well. It was also the defensive backs covering. Yeah, it's just wild number. Eight sacks tonight for Washington's defense. Yeah. Michael Penix hasn't been sacked at all this year. Right. But eight, eight sacks for the defense tonight. And, and part of that was, so we talked a little bit this week about Stanford employing the slow mesh of Wake Forest, and I, I don't want to dwell on it too long. But uh, during ESPN's game day, they had a little bit of a, of a deal on it because Wake Forest was playing Clemson. And so they showed a couple of the things that Clemson had done in the past to kind of counteract the slow mesh. And I thought, you know, I called it slow mush on the boards because it really, instead of causing a lot of confusion in the defensive front, all it did is it seemed to really slow down Stanford. Mm-hmm. And Washington was so prepared on the back end and so disciplined that when McKee pulled it back and tried to throw, he had nowhere to go. And as soon as he made that decision, 
it was like red meat, yeah. and they just and and the ends just went to town. That was, I think, a big part of it. I think the other thing is you look at a guy like Tupat- uh, Afonso Tupatala who had a couple sacks. One of the ways that you can really counteract the slow mesh is to go really, really late in the play clock, and then all of a sudden blitz from different angles. Because when you start to put more numbers in that they than they can block, then you've taken the running back completely out of the slow mesh because he has to pass protect his quarterback. And they were able to do that at a couple of really key times in order to make that work. It's kind of unusual because Tanner McKees, you know, most of the people are predicting him as a first-round draft pick. And you saw him make some throws tonight where you just kind of go, wow, okay. That, that touchdown yeah. pass to Michael Wilson yeah. is a thing of beauty. Yeah, but Both yeah, I, mean, of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a really good quarterback. He's 6'6 and 235. He lumbers. He's mm-hmm. slow, and he got hit a lot tonight. I don't know, you know, being that kind of a talent with that kind of an arm talent, I'm not sure that, you know, putting him, um, you know, making him available to be hit that much is the brightest move. Well, I think part of the reason why the slow mesh can work at times, you have to have the offensive line that can maintain that pocket integrity for you. Mm-hmm. So that basically that allows that holding pattern to develop so that he can give the running back or what have you. But if again, if you start to blitz from different angles and you start to really show some different uh, plans of attack on your front, that really creates a lot of havoc uh, up front. And I think that was a huge thing that Washington used to its advantage. But Tanner McKee, I think, the, the, and, and we talked about this during the game, Scott, and I think it was a huge key. Stanford, as Washington fans know, and especially under David Shaw, they have made a living off of winning jump balls and using 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guys, not just receivers, but tight ends also, a lot of tight ends. Uh, Seahawks have one in Colby Parkinson that has done damage. Washington limited them tonight, Kim, so I don't remember them actually taking a, an effective shot until almost maybe, what, midway through the second quarter? And Washington was up 17 nothing, if I remember correctly. It just seemed to me that however Washington did it, they took Stanford out of their comfort zone and out of the things that they do well right away. So that, to me, that was a huge part of it. And you talk about the jump ball. That was such a blatant push-off by oh, John yeah. Humphreys, yeah. the wide On receiver. The oh, On their my touchdown. gosh. Yeah. I, have, I have seen less blatant yeah. called on the wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, he literally shoved Devon Banks, what, a couple yards back so that he could get some separation, get the touchdown. Washington, I thought, defended everything pretty well tonight from a, from a passing standpoint. Yeah, the only thing they really gave up was the, was the belong play to Michael Wilson at the very end of the game, and that was against the backups. Yeah. So that's how, that's how those guys are going to have to learn. Yeah. Sometimes Just, they're going to have to give away a big play, but they'll learn. Just taking a look at the defensive stats, leading tackler tonight was uh, Dominique Hampton with eight tackles, and then you start taking a look at some of the other numbers. Uh, Alfonso Tupatala had two sacks. Uh, Braylon Trice had two sacks. Uh, Zion ZTF had a sack and a half. Uh, Jeremiah Martin, a sack and a half. He seemed like he was in the backfield all night long. And Nifatuli Tuatele had a half a sack. But I was talking to Zion, you know, and just said, you know, it just seemed like a, you know, a party at the quarterback tonight. And I was asking him, you know, he said that they were talking about over on the sidelines, 
well, was that a half sack for me? Is it a quarter sack for you? And they were kind of dividing up the sacks. And I asked him, I said, do you go back to the statistician and say, yeah, that was mine? And he just kind of smiled. Yeah. Well, um, uh, Jeremiah Martin and Braylon Trice each had a forced fumble on one of the – or was it Zion that forced the fumble? I don't Zion, remember. Zion forced the fumble and um, oh yeah, to fought to it to yeah, tell it and recovered and, it. And, yeah, and but Jeremiah Martin's was that really pretty one where yeah, that was where he came almost around the back and and these, just hit the ball with his hand. It's hard to explain to fans that haven't you know sometimes they'll show it like in the open practices and stuff, but when the defensive ends and the edge guys when they start really doing their circle drills and they're going around and they're trying to go around the back of the quarterback and trying to bat the ball out of there's a lot of technique and there's a lot of anticipation and understanding how to really approach that to, 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 to do the most and get the most out of something like that. And I know DeBoer specifically called out how those guys were able to like employ the techniques and stuff that they're taught by Eric Schmidt and all the things that they were able to do to make those kinds of plays happen, it's again, it just shows how good coaching can all of a sudden facilitate some things and really cause problems in the bottom line. Because when you win the turnover battle three nothing, you're going to win almost all of those games. Yeah, just looking down the stat sheet real quick, uh, net yards rushing. Stanford was held to 86 net yards rushing, but you know Casey Filkins had 101 yards rushing, but uh, the sacks took. Some of off the team number where Stanford had 86 yards rushing, Washington had a very impressive 169 yards rushing, and um, you know net yards passing was um, Stanford with 286, but 78 of that was in the fourth quarter on a long pass. Washington had 309 total offense. Stanford with 372, Washington with 478 total number of plays. What would you guess, or did you already look? Oh, I already looked, Scott. I already looked. Yeah, 69, uh, 62 for Stanford, and then third down conversion. Stanford was 5 of 12, Washington was 6 of 15, and I know that's going to be something that they're going to uh, try to comment on, but Washington had eight sacks. Individual uh, stats, again, Casey Filkins for Stanford, 20 carries for 100 yards. Um, Tanner McKee. 13 carries for minus 33, so uh, he was sacked eight times. But he was 17 of 26, one interception for 286 yards, three touchdowns with a long of 78. And Michael Wilson with a big game, uh, the wide receiver. Uh, He was targeted seven times with six receptions for 176. On the Washington side, Wayne Talapapa, 13 carries for 120. Will Nixon for 14 carries for 21 yards, and he had the nice uh, 13-yard run for a touchdown. Michael Penix, 22 of 37 for 309, two touchdowns and zero sacks. Uh, again, you know, uh, we talked about this earlier. Roma Dunsey, nine targets, eight receptions, 161 yards and a touchdown. And uh, one of the um, couple of things that might have got lost a little bit, Jack McAllister had three punts, averaged 43 yards a kick, but two of them were inside the 20. One of them was inside the five, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, And he could have run for miles if he had wanted to. There were were two. The first uh, two, weren't they the first two? Yeah. It was, I was, we both, you and I both said, what the heck? So the the area towards the Washington sideline, Stanford just vacated at the line of scrimmage. He could have walked. For a first yeah. down, if you I was sitting next to the uh, scouts. I was sitting next to all the scouts that were on hand. Yeah, and I looked over one of them, and I'm like, he could have just run for like 30 yards. Yeah, and, and the guy goes, yeah, they'll see that on tape. Yeah, and they'll use it once. Use it, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, unsung hero of the game, uh, Peyton Henry. Field yeah. goals from 35, 47, 32, and 26. He was a perfect 4-for-4. Four four. He has not hit a field goal longer than 49, to my knowledge. And so that one, 47, has got to be about his longest. I know 49 is his longest, but I think he... I think that's his like second or third longest. Um, the other thing is, Chris, uh, you talked about the number of players they played. They played 65 in the game? No, just short of that. I think like 62, 63, oh, 63 something okay. like that. Yeah. So they got a lot of young guys in there. Um, Sakai. Uh, yeah. Asawa. Yeah. Sakai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I screw up yeah. his name all the time. And uh, Javion Green played but, quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, but I mean, Lance Holtzclaw? Kim, Kim, I don't know if you noticed. On the third play of the game, Lance Holtzclaw was in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he was, was playing rushing. three tech. Yeah, he was rushing right up the middle. Because <laughs> there was a couple times where they had a scheme where it was Holtzclaw one time, and I think the other time I saw it where I really recognized it was when Daniel Haymuli went nose up. And that, I think, was that when ZTF? Yeah, when they around. stunted around yeah. and they, they just they had a clear shot on yeah. Tanner McKee. And for those who haven't seen Lance Holtzclaw, Ron McKee for he needs to lock him in he the... Looks, he looks like a safety. Well, let's yeah, put it this way. He, he is skinny. On one play, he did that. And then on special teams, there was they were up against on the edge of the line. And then one of the Stanford uh, gunners gunned all the way out to the edge. And apparently, it was his responsibility. So he ran out there. So they had an edge player that was actually out there as a yeah. gunner. And he ran stride for stride with them. It was great. For the crowd that always has to have a concern about something. There is something to be concerned about because the defensive backfield is shorthanded right now. Yeah, it is, and they they were complaining, you know, saying it stinks that we couldn't finish the game strong. And I'm like, they, they stuck in the backups, guys. That's yeah. what happens when they stick up backups. They have to learn um, and stuff. So you know, I mean, they didn't. You know, the the touchdown was a touchdown. I guess it was also an all conference caliber wide receiver going up against. Second and third string defensive back. He was having kind of a, a package <laughs> player of the week type performance. Yeah, up to that point, so, even before then. Asa Turner out. Yeah, uh, Elijah Jackson out. No, nope. Jackson, no, Jackson, Jackson played. Elijah Jackson played. Yeah, Perryman yeah. was out. Uh, Michelle Powell, Michelle Powell was, out. was out. And it he's, sounds like he's going to be gone for a couple weeks. Yeah, that's so. what DeBoer said after the game. Yeah, you know, I mean, Are I took a look out there out? and I see JV on Sunday. Excuse me, Javion Green, who's a pure freshman, and then Devon Banks out mm-hmm. there with uh, you know uh, Irvin, who's only been a corner for a few weeks. Very and, inexperienced. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and then you're facing you know probable or you know potential first round draft pick at quarterback. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes you a little nervous, doesn't it? Yeah, but they handled it and just again, fine. And for again, the most part. yeah, again, it, it, it just underscores. I don't know how they did it because I'm going to have to go back and obviously watch the tape a couple times. But I don't know how they were able to scheme it so that Tanner McKee did not get a shot until literally like midway through the second quarter. Like one that actually looked like, okay, that looks like a Stanford shot play. Like a typical one where he'd throw it down the field. Was that the one uh, over Irvin? I think so. I I don't remember, but I think so. The one down the Washington side. And then a couple plays later it was... The one that was over Banks. Right. And so it was just one of those things where it took them so long. And I think part of it was, was I think, give William Inge and, and Chuck Morrell credit. I think they schemed the hell out of this to hold. Even though E.J. Smith wasn't here. And that was, that's huge. You can't underscore that. Yeah. But still, Casey Fulkins gets a 100-yard game. There were yards to be had for Stanford. And Washington still limited them. 
still were able to get after them and make the plays they needed to make, get the ball back when they really needed to. That first pick by Cam Bright, it's huge. Yeah. If we were to give the Jack Tatum award out for the first four games, is Devon Banks the winner? No, Carson Bruner. <laughs> yes. He had another monster hit. Oh, did you today. see what Devon Banks did again today? No. No? He had the big hit down there today. No, I think that was JV on Green. The one you're talking you're about. You're right, it yeah. was. The one that looked like Byron Murphy against Utah? Yeah. Against, against, that was uh, Jamie yeah. Green. Yeah, yeah. but that was Jamie on Green. But yeah, Carson Bruner. Oh, Carson Bruner has turned into an absolute special teams demon. That guy is making That guy's making money. Is he taking his frustrations at not starting? I don't know. He's getting reps. He is playing on defense. He's getting reps. He played quite a bit. He Wasn't did play. he the one who stopped um, um, Tanner McKee on the fourth down where they tried to sneak it? Was he may have. I, I can't remember. It was, it. It it was, was a, a big quick pile play. Up. Yeah, it was a quick play, and it was a big pile up. I'm pretty sure that was Carson. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, could have been. Yeah. All right. Uh, just uh, another quick note, um, Scott. You know, uh, slow day for recruiting. Uh, most of them were in last week yeah. for Michigan State. Just a few guys in. And you know, there's some personal things to take care of from the re- recruiting side. Um, and when you say that, yeah, just you know, it's just, just some um, effect. How do I couch this? Some personal family issues, nothing to be concerned about from, from some people. Some people in the recruiting office. So family they, issues. They, they kind of, for lack of a better term, shot their wad last weekend. And with, I mean, how many kids did they end up having? Like 50? Yeah, whatever maybe, it was. Yeah, it was a lot. And, and so for the rest of the way, you might see one more game where they bring in a few guys. But for the most part, they're done with recruiting on game day. With a big number of guys. Yeah, just a couple of basketball recruits in town. Christian King from Seattle Prep was in on his official visit. And then um, Jacob Coffey, Kofi, which is a guy from Eastside Catholic. I know that they're going to press hard to get a commitment from him. Uh, he was here and pretty much the entire basketball team and coaching staff was on the sidelines as well, including Coach Hopkins, Will mm-hmm. Conroy, Quincy Pondexter. I don't know if I saw Viking or not. But I didn't see. He's... He's un- he looks like a football player. Yeah, best part of today for me, uh, a guy that uh, I, I, I one of my favorite guys that we've been covered for a long time. He committed real early, just the, one of the best dudes around. Uh, Trey Adams was here, first game back. At the time of his, Trey. when he made the commitment, he was the earliest kid to ever commit to the University of Washington. Yeah. Oh, for, even before Tate Martell? Yeah, well, this was before that, though. Okay. So um, he committed as a between his sophomore and junior year. Now, if, and to be honest with you, it dawned on me now why he was here tonight specifically. It's for Jake Elderkamp. It's for Jake Elderkamp. Yeah. And that's why Andrew Kirkland was here as well. Yeah. So, I, so it was kind of like an like a uh, like a reunion, yeah. yeah, like a lineman reunion. So. I walked up to Andrew Kirkland. I met, Kim and I are standing on the sidelines. We're with a couple other guys that we know. I said, "Who is that?" And there, nobody knew. I said, "Is that Andrew Kirkland?" And so we looked up his picture. Yep, that was him. Jackson, so, Jackson's brother. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I did tell him that story, and his parents go, you're not the only ones who ever did that. So. Yeah, jeez. So. so, it was uh, just FYI, Trey, just, uh, he's just starting up a, um, a construction business, you know, yeah. home building and remodeling, and I'm sure he'll do fine in that and talk to Jake Elder. In Wenatchee? Chelan. Uh, oh, in Chelan. Yeah. Okay. Chelan. Not far from Wenatchee, but still. Yeah, I told him how close I was to ordering him a snowblower when he was in Buffalo. Jeez. He was laughing. And also, real quick, we want to make sure that we note that Jacob Lane was also at the yeah, game tonight. Lane. 
So, yeah. which it's in our live updates. Hopefully, people. Yeah. See that, okay. But, gotcha. Yeah. Jake Eldren Camp is into the financial business. Yeah. It shouldn't be a shock. His dad's a big deal. I think at Plum Creek Timber. Yeah. So, so smart offensive lineman is. Yeah. Uh, so he's done with football now. Yeah. Okay, because he was on. He dropped all the way. Yeah. He yeah. dropped all the way. So did Trey, by the way. Yeah, Trey looks like a basketball. Those guys player. all did. Like Henry Roberts is like half of what he was. Yeah. It's amazing. All right, uh, wrap it up, Chris Fetters. It's stupid o'clock here. It is, but it's it's you know I think if you're a Washington fan now, obviously I'm assuming most of the most of the Washington fans are going to listen to this first thing in the morning and and maybe watch the game again. I just think that when it comes down to it, this is still a team that's learning so much about itself. And to be able to win and win pretty convincingly and get a lot of stuff done, but then we can see all of the things that maybe didn't go right with execution or they could have something didn't go right there. You know, look at the timeouts and the mechanics, the, you know, the false start followed by the delay of games, stuff like that. There's so much that these coaches can coach these guys on and clean up, and yet they're 4-0 for the first time since 2017. I mean, it's an absolute best-case scenario for this entire program because they're going to be able to keep these guys hungry. They're going to be able to keep that 1-0 mindset going because they understood kind of how much of a distraction this could have been. You know, I was thinking about Michael Penix, for instance, Kim. You know, I think he's able to keep a lot of the stuff on the outside here in Seattle, but I bet you he's hearing all sorts of stuff from his friends and family back in, in Florida. And I guarantee when all that Heisman stuff started talking and all this, how could he not maybe react or be affected by it in some way? So for him to come out and still have a really strong game, yet understand that there's so much more that he can get done, and, and defensively, you know, hopefully getting guys healthy again, you know, I think there's so much to be positive, so many positives coming out of this game, but obviously the big win is, is the most important thing. Scott Eklund? Started off uh, conference play 1-0, 4-0, like you said, first time since 2017. All positive. Another positive, the offense wasn't clicking completely today, at least in my opinion. Wasn't clicking today. Still put up 40 points. And uh, what did they? What was the final yardage? It was almost 400 almost yards, right? 490, something like yeah. that. 480, 490. Four, almost 500 yards. Yeah. So a lot of, I still think there's a lot of meat left on the bone for them. And I look, and if you look at who the last three home games are, Arizona, Oregon State, Colorado. Yeah. Those are your last three home games. We could be looking at it. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but we could be looking at a perfect home schedule. When was the last time they had a perfect home schedule? 2016, which would have been the closest. They yeah, lose to USC. USC. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and Oregon State is not going to be an easy game. Arizona's better. Colorado's terrible. Yeah. So... Washington should be able to, at the minimum, win two of those games, if not all three. And boy, I, I'm just excited to see where this team is going to go because UCLA is going to be a real test down there, even though it's going to be in a mausoleum, you know, just completely dead quiet down there at the Rose Bowl on Friday night. You know, I, I just I want to see what this team looks like on grass. I want to see what they look like when they're, when they're playing a team that, if you look on it on paper, is more talented than Washington. So let's see what they can do, and especially against a guy like DTR who can get out and run and do a lot of different things and hurt you in a lot of different ways. In a short week. In a short week. Yeah, big commitment we haven't talked about yet. Alexis DeBoer, Coach DeBoer's daughter who goes to Bellevue High School. She's one of the top softball players in the country, and she committed to Coach Tar. I think it may have been last 
night. The, so, but the softball team was actually here at Husky yeah. Stadium because they got honored and the last time maybe. And she or third was quarter? on the sidelines. I'm and, pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. No, she was. So Coach DeBoer's daughters, you know, giving Heather Tarr um, uh, the uh, the commitment, and I went back on the softball to look for a wolf. Uh, Heather Tarr woofed Friday night, by there the way. Boom. Yeah, she woofed. So, uh, anyways, uh, so big deal for the football team. Excuse me, softball team. It's late. But, you know, we've got a short week with UCLA coming up, a night game on uh, Friday, they've got to get some guys healthy, and then after that, it's Arizona State, and then back home for Arizona, and then off to Cal. You know, and I think of the next three, four games that uh, UCLA game coming up Friday night might be the toughest game. So yeah. uh, we'll see what uh, that brings in front of a Cal could be tough too, though. In, you never in, know. In front of a sparse, uh, we expect a sparse, sparse crowd down at what UCLA. What do you think? Twenty-five, thirty thousand, maybe. In a hundred thousand seat stadium, tickets distributed. Well, it's not a hundred thousand anymore. They cut capacity. Oh, they did. Yeah, it's 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 down. I'm expecting right. another Troy Aikman tweet. Yeah. So, anyways, but uh, hey, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>